Welcome to episode two of the Infinite Information Podcast. My name is Stuart Thompson and I am your regular host. Today, I want to talk about this statement that was made by Nigel Farage on the GB News channel over a month ago. We ought to aim to be energy independent. Donald Trump did it for the USA and that in many, many ways took more power, potential power away from Middle East countries, who often have standards we don't like, and Putin's Russia. We are nowhere near that. So what do we need to do? Well, a complete rethink of nuclear energy. We don't need to build the vast monstrosities of the 1950s, 60s and 70s. Rolls-Royce, for example, make very relatively small nuclear units that can produce a lot of reliable energy. Yes, I know we have to deal with nuclear waste. Yes, I know there are things like terrorist threats, but it's one of the things we could do. When it comes to gas, up in Cumbria, we have vast amounts of shale gas. There has been a very successful lobby to say, ah, no, 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 we mustn't frack for gas. It'll cause earthquakes. It'll cause the water to go black. It'll be an environmental disaster. It's been a very successful green lobby against something that we absolutely need to do. And I will say this as well. We're still importing coal, particularly for use in the steel industry. Why import coal when that coal is here in our country? They're all positive, practical steps that I think we can take to make ourselves energy independent. And I really believe this now should become an aim of government. Please tell me what you think. Now, indeed, I appreciate Nigel Farage is indeed a very controversial character and has recently been in the news for all the wrong reasons. But I found this one particularly fascinating to talk about as I have a particular interest in energy and the politics associated with that, but also, of course, the science and looking at this in a very optimistic light. Indeed, I agree with the first fragment of Nigel Farage's statement Yes, post-Brexit, I do believe that the UK should be energy, more energy independent. Now is as good a chance as any to do that and to set the world an example as to how we can produce our own energy. However, I have to disagree entirely with the second part of his statement. Yes, indeed, he is correct that fracking and indeed nuclear fission technologies could be implemented at the click of a finger. These are incredibly detrimental to the environment. So, for example, fracking involves digging well, rather large holes into the earth and cracking out as much natural gas as you possibly can to then bottle up and sell to the public. However, this comes with the detriment of, well, potentially causing a lot of problems for our own drinking water. In particular, the many people believe that like oils and natural gases can seep in and dissolve into the water, making it flammable. And not to mention nuclear fission itself also has the problems of, yes, he's correct, there is no 
carbon dioxide or any carbon footprints from that. However, we do have the problem of nuclear waste, which is typically barreled up and dumped at the bottom of the ocean and forgotten about. It is interesting, this energy crisis we are currently facing at the minute. Indeed, I've been speaking to my MP about this in a letter I wrote uh, regarding the political connotations of this and protecting the vulnerable. However, I have a look at my bills recently, actually, and my last two suppliers, British Gas and EDF, and on the back of the bills, and again, you can do this at home too if, if you have your bills you can have a look at the actual breakdown as to where we actually get our uh, energy from and the energy mix. So it's interesting that uh, British Gas use their energy mix is 4% coal. So a very low amount of coal, which is a good thing because coal is really bad. Uh, natural gases is 29%. Nuclear, as in nuclear fission, is 9%. And the remainder, pretty much the remainder, is 56% renewables. Now, if you look at EDF, so again, it's worth mentioning British Gas is a British, British company, uh, who again have also been in the news recently for all the wrong reasons. So I just find my EDF bill. You know, EDF are a French company. This is certainly interesting. So EDF's fuel mix is 3.5% coal. 9.3% gas, 66.6% nuclear, and 20.5% renewables. And that's interesting because the average mix of the uh, French use a lot more nuclear fission technology to produce their energy. Whilst indeed Nuclear in particular is of interest because it is something we can pretty much implement tomorrow. Nuclear fission in particular is almost what it is really. It's you basically break up atoms, so to speak, to produce your energy. Uh, it's pretty much how well nuclear bombs work, basically. Like you can get so much energy from a tiny, tiny substance such as an atom. Uh, hence, you know, Einstein's uh, infamous E equals MC squared equation showed that even the smallest amount of molecules with a smallest amount of mass can produce a large amount of energy. However, I want to look at this a lot more positively. I believe uh, with a bit of innovation and with a little bit of time, I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush in this, it will take a while, but I believe there is an alternative way of producing energy uh, that could lead to UK's energy uh, independency. And that is today, I'll talk about nuclear fusion processes. Now, nuclear fusion is ubiquitous in nature. So whenever you look at a clear night, at night when there's no clouds around, you'll see lots of stars. Stars across the entire universe produce this, and they do it. Even our own star does this. So we have a fusion of two really tiny protons together to form deuterium, and with that we get a large amount of energy. And this process in the star occurs all the way up to the iron nucleus, which at which point you get no energy back, and the star collapses and explodes in a supernova.
Today, I also want to talk about, in particular, the Kardashev scale, which is a scale that was proposed in, let me just dig up my paper. So in 1964, a Soviet astronomer called Nikolai Kardashev proposed a scale which categorizes civilizations in how they harvest energy and their technological development. So this scale is when I wrote this paper a year ago almost, is split into three, so type one is planetary, meaning they're able to harvest the energy available to them on the entire planet. Type two is stellar, which is basically being able to harvest the entire energy available within their own solar system, i.e. from the actual star itself. And a type three is galactic, which is able to harvest the entire energy available to them from the galaxy, or in our galaxy, in our case, is the Milky Way galaxy. At the minute, human race is around about 0.7 in terms of their type. So we're expected to reach type one status or planetary status within the next 100 to 200 years. Many of the processes associated with a type one, we already have in development. So for instance, we can use bacteria to break down organic substances from landfill waste. So for example, uh, anything like you know fruit peel, anything organic, that kind of sense, banana skin peel can be essentially reacted with bacteria which breaks down all the sugars into this into energies that we can then store such as natural gases and sell. This should really hopefully reduce the amount of landfill uh, we, we produce currently as this is another problem we have to face, the damage we're doing to our beautiful planet. However, most interestingly as well is the process of nuclear fusion as I just mentioned, which we are already beginning to show early signs of research in this. In fact, there is a lot of promise in a neutronic um, fusion, which is fusion that does not use neutrons. So neutrons in particular can lead to a lot of cascade reactions that are uncontrollable. So when we have nuclear processes, they can often be quite uncontrollable um, and lead to difficulties uh, such as the Chernobyl incident, which was where a reactor overheated. Uh, I wrote about this recently uh, in a paper I called Boring Boron, as Boron is a candidate or strong candidate for this type of process. This paper can be found on Your Sciences website too, so a shameless plug. If you look up Your Sciences, that's Y-O-R Sciences, and it's Boring Boron part one where I explain this in a lot more greater detail. There are also many other ways we are producing renewables and this leads back into the problem we face right now. So I mentioned that British companies, in particular British Gas, use a large amount of their renewables. So in fact it was 50, 56% of renewables come from hydroelectricity and solar electricity available. However, uh, we face this problem in particular for one of the reasons, not the sole reason, but one of the reasons is the fact that we have not produced improved. Basically our summer has not been windy enough, nor has it been sunny enough to be able to store the energy and sell it later on for the winter periods. However, these are processes that we still currently use, which is harvesting, 
or is characteristic, shall I say, of a type 1 civilization within the Kardashev scale. More exotically, I thought it would be worth a mention too, uh, I talk about nuclear fusion, how this has uh, got potential, but also uh, we can look at this in a Star Trek sense, and uh, in relation to Einstein's pioneering work, uh, we could perhaps look at the processes of matter and antimatter annihilation, which would produce an enormous amount of energy in particular. However, this is well into the future. Uh, we simply would find it extremely difficult to produce antimatter. Antimatter is essentially the opposite of our normal matter. So for example, a, let's say a proton has a positive charge. The antimatter equivalent will be a proton with the same characteristics with a negative charge. And these two, when they meet, annihilate each other, producing gamma wave radiation, which is the energy associated with such an annihilation process. It's also interesting noting that in Star Trek they have antimatter-matter containment fields for their warp drives, as it's believed that we could reach warp speed or light speed uh, transportation within that process. In fact, I think I remember reading somewhere as well on, on a PBS space time that we can get to about 80% of the speed of light with antimatter-matter uh, annihilation processes. But it's also worth noting, I think you can get around about 20% of the speed of light with nuclear fusion technologies, I think. So that is definitely something worth looking for. I, I do believe as a type 1 or civilization within this scale, nuclear fusion or taking inspiration from the universe is, is definitely the way forward. I think we should dream from this, so with type 1 being within our grasp, within a hundred years, being optimistic. We could then evolve to being a type 2 civilization, which utilizes the star in particular, so type 2 would harvest all the energy available within the solar system. And this is believed to be in and around about 1000 to 2000 years from now, Nikolai Kardashev believed that we should, should have the technological advancement and the energy requirements associated with that to be of this. This portion of the scale now requires an imagination, but it's fun. So, for example, the many ways that we could perhaps harvest the energy from the sun is to create Dyson swarms or Dyson spheres. So, you could imagine a swarm of, say, probes that surround the star that essentially capture almost like solar panels that are directly above or around the sun. And these directly capture the electromagnetic radiation given off from the sun's fusion processes and stores them and can then be transported back to Earth. Or at that point, we should be able to terraform other planets too. So perhaps Mars, maybe within a thousand years or so, we're living on Mars. There are also other ways we could harvest energy in particular. So for example, one I particularly like upon writing this paper that I'm looking at now, so I'm looking at the paper now for imagination, uh, for rather as a script rather, uh, is we could do things like thermal stellar lifting and pressure stellar lifting. So for example, one I like in particular is the idea of this huff puff situation we have where you could imagine 
the swarm being gravitationally bound to each other and to the sun itself. And the way stars work in particular is they're in a thermal equilibrium. So as they're burning the deuterium core, they are producing a lot of thermal radiation which needs to be emitted out so that the process, the, the rate of this, this fusion process is optimized. Some stars, our star for example is very, is in a good equilibrium as far as, as, far as I've read I think anyway. Um, stars like Betelgeuse, which has also been in the news recently because it's been behaving very oddly, shall we say, uh, is, has a really bad thermal equilibrium. It's a very lashy star, you know, you see pictures of it, it kind of throws out um, lots of, uh, you know, coronal masses. In fact, recently in the news, I don't know if you've seen that, the coronal mass was uh, thrown at us by our own star, which led to the Northern Lights. So apparently the Aurora Borealis was visible in certain parts of England, including the north of England, I think, as of last week. So there's our star there trying to um, let us know that it's there, ready for uh, harvesting of energy. But anyway, the, the, the idea of a huff puff is essentially you, you have this bind of these Dyson ring, which is gravitationally bound. And what you do is you essentially allow the swarm to almost gravitationally fall into the star. But at the last minute, you then kind of have this locking kind of ring around this swarm, which sort of gravitationally squeezes the star. And you then get coronal masses which spew out like mass and energy from the star which could then be collected. Which I think is a very, it's an amazing idea this in particular as well, this kind of star being gravitationally squeezed to produce the, the, the energy we, we need. And at the same time, you know, elongating the lifetime of our own star I think is an incredible, an incredible idea really um, within a type 2 civilization in particular. Within around about 100,000 years to a million years from now, should the human race survive, is we could promote ourselves to a type 3 civilization, which again requires even more of an imagination. But a type 3 civilization effectively is able to harvest the amount, the entire energy within our own Milky Way galaxy. So some ideas from this possibly could be collecting energies from neutron star, neutron star merges. So for example, after a star is burnt out, so a large star, a supernova occurs. So I mentioned that once nuclei is fused to iron, iron no longer produces any more energy to be able to sustain the star and the star below supernova which means you get this shockwave of all these um, materials comprising of the core of the star bouncing off each other and ejecting a large amount of mass into the solar system say um, if the star is not large enough to be able to form a black hole from this you get a neutron star and neutron stars well, or what they are, they are kind of stars made of neutrons, so heavily dense. And these could merge in what's called a kilonova. So when they merge into a kilonova, they then produce a black hole. And with that, you get a large amount of energy too.
Another one I quite like for a type 3 civilization would be black hole, that's what I call it, is a black hole bomb. Now, for example, large black holes, for example, Sagittarius A, the one in the middle of our uh, own galaxy that we are orbiting around, uh, will possess what's known as an ergosphere. And that means the black hole has a spin, the black hole spin. And this means the event horizon, so the point of no return from a black hole, the actual layer of that is uh, undergoing a large amount of spin. And the idea is that you could throw in particles, so say like a photon or an electron or something, and this undergoes a massive amount of spin within the ergosphere. So imagine it sort of spinning around and around and around and around. And what the black hole can do is then throw the particle back out for us to collect. And the particle itself has gained energy. It's gained what's called, uh, you call it kinetic energy because it's been spinning. And therefore, as mass proportional to energy e equals mc squared, you get, because the mass has increased, you also get a large amount of energy back from the particle, and that is called the black hole bomb. Which again, I, I think is a really cool idea, the idea of just black holes, you know, like swallowing these, uh, you know, particles and uh, spitting them back at us, you know, that are slightly bigger. And again, we could store that as a form of energy. We could also use uh, white holes, so I'm in my last podcast, uh, I mentioned Einstein's prediction within general relativity, pardon me, the existence of white holes, which is the opposite of a black hole, and these essentially eject particles and matter at the speed of light. Uh, we could essentially, you know, have storage units, so to speak, just outside a, black, a white hole that could collect this form of energy. Now, the Kardashev scale is something I would like to talk to a lot more in detail in a later podcast, perhaps, because it has been expanded and it leads down many rabbit holes of uh, what we know about our own existence. It's also been modified in particular ways. However, type 1 to type 3 are the main the main rungs of the ladder, so to speak, of technological and energetic abilities of, of, a, of a civilization. In fact, we, we use the Kardashev scale or the basis of the Kardashev scale to be able to determine if extraterrestrial intelligence does indeed exist. So for example, when I talk about, uh, we, we do this because of what's known as the anthropic principle that we, we, we apply what we already know as a human race to what another organic type human race might uh, human race another sentient human ra uh, race might be like in another star system say within the the universe so for example when looking at a type potential type 2 civilization we look at the dimming of a star if it's periodic enough for example so if a star dims out completely blacks out um, many people believe that that could indeed be a type 2 civilization forming a Dyson swarm or Dyson sphere around their own star to collect energy. 
Uh, again, of course, there's many arguments as to whether or not that could be anything else, but we look at that to see if it's periodic or not. Or the, the, the idea and the imagination is certainly there to, 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 to use this as a scale, but uh, I, will, I want to bring it back down to, to Earth for the time being and talk about our own problems uh, with the, the, the idea of becoming type 1, which is within our reach. So type 2 and type 3 are, you know, thousands, if not a millions of years away. But from being type 1 as a planetary um, civilization, you know, collecting energy. I believe <clears throat> with the idea of, we already have a grasp roughly of nuclear fission. I do believe this to be a lot more cleaner as there is a lot less harmful stuff made from the process of nuclear fusion. In fact, it's very, you know, the idea of building Lego pieces up together to form more complex atoms and, and give us energy as opposed to smash them up and produce the energy. Like I said, these technologies will take a lot more years to, to get there, but I often like to dream about things like this, like the idea of with fusion technologies, we could defeat Earth's gravitational pull and start exploring our, our own solar system for the time being. Um, I also really like the idea of using bacteria to break down anaerobically landfill masses to produce gas that we need in particular. I believe it's a chance for us to set an example. Yes, I know the political connotations of the, the, the energy crisis. You know, many people blame the Russians for holding off the gas supply, but I believe this is a golden opportunity for the UK in particular. I believe that this is something we, we could be innovative about, that we, we could look at building nuclear fusion technologies in particular. I often dream about, like yesterday I was thinking about this podcast and what I was going to say, and it's pretty much ad-libbed. Um, it's pretty much how I do them all, but I was thinking about um, where I'm from in the UK right now. A concert of County Durham is, is a small town within the northeast of England, and we used to be renowned for coal mining way back, and we also be renowned for making steel, or kind of the capital of the steel industry all the way up until the 80s, until they were closed down. Um, you see remnants of it around Concert 2, of what this particular town used to do. And I just have this dream of, as a way of rebuilding a town like this, wouldn't it be fantastic to be able to see, rather than the old Concert Steelworks, but the, the Concert Fusion Works. But I don't know, that's just food for thought, I guess, really. Um, in fact, it, it is certainly interesting that uh, Concert's main talking point at the minute, or one of its many talking points politically, was the incinerator, which 
I've omitted from this paper that I did um, incineration of landfill deposits or burning them essentially is believed to produce energy in a way but for a type 1 civilization I don't believe that's the, 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 the process of which we should go down it's the same as fracking or it's the same as nuclear fission in a way that it produces a large amount of harmful byproducts so the incinerator in fact would produce a large amount of smoke and you know a carbon footprint that would blow out into the air um, I believe in this paper that I wrote on the Kardashev scale, the two I mentioned of anaerobic respiration within landfills and in particular nu nuclear fusion technologies are by far the way to go forward in fact there's a closing song and um, I, I would like to you know the, the, the incinerate idea was thrown out uh, by popular demand so that many people didn't like the idea and many people wrote petitions wrote letters to the council but uh, in particular um, I was having this conversation with a gentleman from well the gentleman who runs the guitar shop up in concert um, again I, I shouldn't mention names or anything like that but um, they in particular the um, one of his many projects as a musician is to write music and uh, to leave you out with a song that I really like I discovered recently was a protest song that was written uh, by this particular music project and it was played in front of Durham County Council and uh, he they they wrote a song that they're called "Say No to the Concert Incinerator," and this is an a band called Condog and Crew. So I will leave you with this, and before I go, I just like to say goodbye. I hope there has been some at least order to this. I just wanted to make the point that as to what Mr. Farrar said on the television stuck with me over a month, and I've had a long think about it. And I believe in general that nuclear fusion as opposed to fission is the way forward for the human race it just requires action now which we are currently beginning to do but also is to think of the Kardashev scale think of what we could do with nuclear fusion technologies and what we what we could you know how we could survive as a human race through this difficult time with investment now once again thank you for listening I've been Stuart Thompson I hope you've enjoyed this one and this is Say No to the Constant Incinerator by Corndog and Crew. Hope I pronounced that properly. <laughs> See you later, guys. Say no to the Constant Incinerator. Say no to the Fuck Out Morning Mega. Say no to the Constant Incinerator. If you want that voice, send this piece of paper. I can't stand it. I know you planned it. And I'll be damned if we sound back and allow it. It's revolution time, so form a picket line and smash the system like it's grapes in a fine wine. Smoke and mirrors, cloak and dagger. Bread and circus treat our earth like it's worthless. Plumes of toxic ash, just like we had in the past. The bad cats smash and dash and grab the racks and cash. Microparticles, your lies are farce. But we're writing articles to get the start of all. Let's instigate and get the people irate. Tell a maid, tell a maid, tell a maid. You know what's hilarious? Incinerators are disproportionately built in poorer areas. What, this beautiful area? And you know what's funny? What? Funds would change hands, but we wouldn't save any of the money. And so we're gonna have to draw the line. The people of concert are being taken for a ride. We've only been chosen because they think we won't 
put up a fight Just fallen a line until we're falling behind While someone scores a nice bribe Decades of progression would be thrown down the pan And then I'm hearing people saying Wait, it's out of our hands Stop lying down and take a loud stand Cause going out without a bang doesn't sound like a plan Let's instigate, get the people irate Spread the word, tell a mate to tell a mate We can't take it, we won't stand it You sneaky bandits, we know you took and planned it to the concert incinerator Say no To the fuck out money nigga Say no To the concert incinerator Say If you no. want that voice Sign this piece of paper Horns up it for 50 years Straight in the lungs of one person hers Say no To the concert incinerator Let's be the voice It's your man or dog And there's something that needs to be addressed Oh my god, I bet you'll never guess We're stronger as a clan, gonna keep the town up and grand No towers, no waste, it's a total disgrace no. Heavy traffic, no I'm moving fast Exhaust fumes added to the list of ming and gas So kill the creature, run this feature You're forced as the teacher Cause we're one of the crew, and we're gonna beat ya Hers. Say no to the concert incinerator. Let's be the voice.